of hope. That as we think about the story of the Bible, as we think about God working out his purposes, think about what he did with that, uh, with that dark-skinned gal from Moab who didn't know anyone, and he brought her to Bethlehem to follow him. And uh, her faith led to grace. Grace poured out. Her response to grace was obedience. And as she continued to obey, God brought her fully into her destiny. And you know, the, the very same thing is true of us. As we embrace the story of God, as we embrace Jesus by faith, grace is poured out on us in different ways. It's poured out on us in trials. It's poured out on us in tragedy. It's poured out on us uh, in the very best moments of life. And our response to that grace is what really defines our relationship with God. Because if we've really come to believe and trust and love Him, the response to grace is always obedience. That's what He's looking for. He's looking for those who will hear His voice and walk in the truth of what uh, He has called us to. And day by day, event by event, uh, decision by decision, we walk into our destiny, the destiny for which he has called us in Christ Jesus. And as we looked at that story on Christmas Eve, uh, I hope you were filled with awe as we sang the songs and read the story and saw how piece by piece God unveiled his plan to the world. And this royal birth of our Savior uh, ought to have produced awe in a big way uh, in all of us. And all of that leads me today to hope. You know, the book of Ruth starts with Naomi in chapter 1, verse 12, saying, even if I thought there was still hope for me, Naomi was hopeless. She had nothing to look forward to, absolutely bereft. And that was the condition of her heart. And she knew then she was beyond all hope. Well, as we think about biblical hope, true biblical hope, we see the transformation happening in the story of Ruth. Look at chapter 4, verse 14. The women are saying to Naomi, as she's holding her grandson on her lap, the future grandfather of the king of Israel, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. That promise, that trust, that relentless work of God comes through in flying colors for Ruth, for Boaz, for Naomi, and for all of us who are watching because this is how he is. This is how the Father really is. So when we look at hope today, I want to give you seven highlights of true biblical hope. And the first one is this. It is grounded, true biblical hope is grounded in the faithful character of God. When we read the story of Ruth, 
And we see the sweep of history. We see what God has done from creation all the way through. We come to the birth of Jesus, the thing we've anticipated through Advent, and it is way more than we can imagine. And I tried to cover a little bit of that on Christmas Eve, but imagine this. Ruth's family was transformed. Naomi's family was transformed. The generations of Israel were transformed by the faith of Ruth. The grandfather of David is born. David is born. And years and years and years later, a thousand years plus later, the Messiah is born. And the conditions of his birth were amazing, but that was just the beginning. The birth of Jesus was so much more than that. In fact... He became the new Moses. He found 12 men, the apostles, who would become the new Israel. And even that would be expanded from just Jewish people to the whole world. And he would bring uh, the new covenant, a kingdom, his kingdom. The kingdom that would be founded on him. And he led the people into that kingdom through the cross, his death, his resurrection. And when he ascended to heaven, he poured out the spirit on the people of Israel, but also on the Gentiles. All of us. The whole world was now involved in God's project When we come to faith in Christ and baptism, we're actually entering in to the new Red Sea, the new Jordan crossing. Baptism represents, and we're going to be having baptisms in the next few weeks or so, when when you enter into that, you're entering into the, the story of God, of the new Moses, the new 12 tribes, the Gentiles included, the new Red Sea crossing in baptism. When we share communion, we enter into the final Passover, the Last Supper, and then we look forward to a new heaven, a new earth, new resurrection bodies, just like Jesus's, and an entirely new destiny for us. And it is all these things that have been promised to us been promised to us. So we are now at the point where we are saying goodbye to one year and opening the next. And I want us to be grounded in the faithful character of God. Because if he blew Ruth's socks off, if he blew Naomi's socks off, when you think about what he has promised for us, we're walking right now in that flow, that flow of living water We're walking in that, you and me, and we have those precious promises. And if he did it once, and he did it again, and he did it again, and he did it again, if there's one thing this book tells us, he always does what he says. And so that is what we have coming for us, the the hope that comes from the promises of Christ for you and for me. And it's not based on 
pie-in-the-sky future thinking. It's based on what he has done in the past already. And I've said this to you guys before, but there's about 750 prophecies in the Bible. 590 of them have already been fulfilled. That's about 80%. There's about another 50 going on in Israel right now. And then the remainder will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. So this is, in that sense, more reliable than anything. It's 100%. 100% true. And that's what's coming for us. So one application I really want to encourage each family to do is to, uh, over the next uh, week or so, is take a hope walk around your house. Walk around your house and look at the things that are literally in your house. Pictures, art on the wall, wedding albums, uh, pictures of people on your fridge. I was doing this over the weekend and I realized how much God has already done in our family, bringing Mary Ann through cancer twice. I looked at the Christmas stockings and I looked at how our, our family has multiplied. I looked at uh, a broken statue that was in my office in Kobe when the earthquake hit. And there's a piece missing out of that statue nobody could ever find. But it was a message to me that even in the wreckage of that earthquake, God was opening the door for me to come to know him. And that, that is a picture, that statue, that broken statue is a picture to me of God's faithfulness in my life. The missionaries that are on our fridge that we pray for, and all the things that are going on. I mean, even just in Nigeria right now, as I pray for David and Carlene Heath, I think about the, the work that is going on in Nigeria now. Over 13,000 believers in one tribe, 250 churches. I think about the faithful men and women who are working in that part of Nigeria right now. Also on my fridge is paintings from my grandchildren. Another, another, yeah, you guys do some really good art. And another thing about me is, about God, is that you speak to me of God's faithfulness as you draw those pictures. And then one other thing this year, uh, the Moore family and the faithfulness of God in bringing the Moore family here uh, to Cincinnati. And so... I want to encourage you to take that walk through your home and look at the things around there that will remind you of God's faithfulness to you. And that I'm calling, in fact, Leslie came up with this, we're calling it a hope walk. We're walking through our homes looking at what God has already done in our lives, reminding ourselves of how faithful He is. Amen? Okay, so uh, that's one thing about hope. True biblical hope is grounded in the faithful character of a living God. Second thing is exemplified by God's actions in history. Check this out in Hebrews chapter 6. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. 
And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And, and later on in Hebrews 6 says this, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And he's already reminded us that he's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. And at the burning bush, he reminded Moses that Abraham was still living. And Abraham is still receiving the full promise of all that what God told him he would do. Imagine how thrilled he would have been in 1948 when the nation of Israel came out of, the, came out of nowhere to be reestablished after 2,000 years. And right at the same time, out of the ground came the Dead Sea Scrolls, which confirmed the truth of the scriptures that the nation of Israel was the caretakers of. And so he did that, and he's still doing that. He does, as I said earlier, he does always does what he says he's going to do. Thirdly, true biblical hope is documented in the scriptures. It's his word. It's the reminders that we have in here, the hundreds and thousands of reminders we have in here of his faithfulness that he will bring about what he says he will bring about. Now take a look at Psalm 65. This is a great psalm to meditate on uh, in the new year. And I've just got a few verses here. It starts with hope. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. He's still doing that. Still doing that. He's doing that across our city this morning as the church gathers to sing songs of joy to him. You care for the land and you water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. There's so much food being produced on the earth right now, it exceeds the number of people that live on the earth. He has been faithful to his promise to Noah. We're not so good at distributing it, but he's faithful to produce the grain because he's ordained that. You drench the furrows and level the ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. And here's the, here's the New Year piece. You crown the year with your bounty. As you think about the year just passed and the bounty, the sheer bounty of God in your lives and your carts overflow with abundance. And that's been true as a congregation as I think of the babies that have been born the new jobs that have been provided, the new homes that have been provided by the Lord. As I think about the giving of this congregation, and we'll look at that next week, but it has been an amazingly generous year, not only to the Marymount church budget, but also to our giving to missions, um, which has been uh, profoundly generous this year. So be encouraged and 
One thing I would encourage you to do if you don't do this, uh, I, someone mentioned it this morning that they were reading Revelation. I encourage everybody, if you want to start the year off or finish the year and start the year off with hope and joy, read the book of Revelation. I just started into it yesterday and I'll finish it before New Year's Eve, but it is, it is an amazing, encouraging picture of the relentless God who will not stop until he's accomplished all that he said he's going to do. Number four, true biblical hope is confirmed by the Spirit's presence. The Spirit is with us now. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power who's been given to those who believe. And so the, the hope that we have is confirmed by the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we receive the Spirit, when we are filled afresh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I got filled and refilled and refilled on Tuesday night. You got one of those services. I got to go to three. And I got smoked on Christmas Eve. But the presence of the Lord this morning in our worship, the presence of the Lord in our lives is the confirmation of the hope. Because Paul says later on in Ephesians, that's the deposit that God gave you to let you know that everything he's promised you is true. It's the down payment on your resurrection body and everything else that God has coming. So it's confirmed by the Spirit's power. So I'm just going to stop and pray. Father, I just ask now, as we think about the confirmation of your Holy Spirit, that you would come now and fill to overflowing each of my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, I thank you that there's no junior Holy Spirit. I ask you to fill the children with your Spirit. I ask you to bless each family with the presence of the Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And then number five, hope is amplified by worship and prayer. If you want more hope, then do more worship and do more prayer. Because it's in the moments of worship, it's in the moments of prayer that we're able to get face-to-face with God and we're able, to, we're able to put aside the things that might be on our agenda and we might be able to per- perceive and apprehend His agenda. And uh, Psalm 42 says it this way. It says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? The psalmist is pouring himself out to God and he realizes that the cure for discouragement and sadness is to put his hope in God. To praise Him again. To declare, hey, He's my Savior. He's my God. It is, it is the actual discipline of worship and prayer and we've got so many opportunities we're going to have 
this 24 hours of worship and prayer over in Anderson for the city. But we've got, we're going to have another, we're going to go from one to two worship nights every month in the new year. So we're going to go from third Wednesday from 6.30 to 8 to second and fourth Wednesday, 6.30 to 8. The first Wednesday, the first, the second Wednesday, sorry, the first one of the month on the second Wednesday is going to be contemplative. And we're going to just soak in God's presence. We're going to have prophetic uh, ministry. We're going to have communion and we're going to soak in God's presence on the second Wednesday of the month. On the fourth Wednesday, we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to take the seats out. The kids are going to be here with the flags. We're going to be ramping it up and worshiping God with all of, all of our emotion and all of our praise. And that's going to be, that's going to be the route to increasing uh, and experiencing true biblical hope. All right, number six, it's manifested in the testimony of millions. Now, you're going to have a chance in a second here to share uh, about what God's been doing in your life. But look at King David in Psalm 39. Look what he says. He says, We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. I hope that many of us took the opportunity to rush around less at Christmas and to, uh, and to focus more on the king. But David says this, we heap up wealth not knowing who's going to spend it. He had a somewhat messed up family and uh, there was some confusion as to who was going to actually replace him. Uh, and I think he felt that in this psalm. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? And then he realizes the only thing I can hope in is you. And then he, he play, prays this beautiful prayer, Rescue me from my rebellion. Rescue me from my rebellion. And do not let fools mock me. You know, as King David has experienced here, God has transformed my life in this whole question of hope. So I encourage you to meditate on that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up now for uh, anybody who wants to share, to share uh, as we celebrate this Family Sunday. It's a time for families to share, hey, what's God been doing? And then it's also, uh, we're going to head into a time of prayer over our families. So uh, if anybody's got anything they want to share... I'm going to come and bring the mic to you. And just say your name and uh, fire away. Just put that up there. Uh, My name is Amy Grizovic. And first I just want to thank you all for the love that you've extended to our family um, through this most difficult season. Um, But I, I cannot leave this room without sharing with you the hope that the Lord has given to our family. Um, Many of you know that my husband and two of my daughters were lost in a barn fire in October. And the Lord has been incredibly gentle with our family. He is good, and his mercy endures forever. And I think probably one of the, the biggest things that I've walked away with from all of this, there's many. There are many, many things, but um, 
knowing him, really truly knowing him, gives us the capacity to walk in hope. When we know that we know him, I think that, that morning, the only thing I could even utter in my own lips was, Lord, I know you. I know that I know you. And if there isn't anything else that I know, I know that I know you. Mm. <laughs> and if you don't know him in that way, then use this year to get to know him in that way. He, he is more than we can ever imagine. He is so outside of us. And we can know him as much as we want to know him. So I'm just thankful that he, over the years, has, um, has given a, a preparation. I can look back and I can say, oh, that was, a, that was a season, that was a time where you were helping me know you. There's no isolated instance. Looking, you know, looking back over the last several years, um, there are no isolated instances. They have all woven together um, for this time. And... Amen. 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 Would, would, you, would you pray for us as a congregation to know him? Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. Thank you. Oh, Father, we come to you, God. We thank you that you are limitless, um, that your, your power, your sustenance, your um, everything that you are, Lord, is accessible. You are so accessible. Um, we can have as much of you as we want. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, Marymount Community Church this year would know you in a way that is completely undeniable and that is powerful, Lord. I pray, God, that you will be the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of our soul this year. God, we just pray I pray for each and every person in this room, Lord, including myself and my children, and that you will draw us closer to you, God, that we will find the rest and the comfort in your presence this year, and that we will experience your goodness, Lord, your faithfulness, your mercy. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Lord, I pray every morning that we would wake up and that we would chase after that, Lord. And we don't have to go far. Hmm. You are so close. Thank you, Lord. Open our eyes um, to see it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will fill each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Amy. What an encouragement. Praise be to God. Uh, I'm Zeke Swift, uh, delighted with the privilege of being an elder here, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, I've had several instances in the last couple of weeks uh, to think about us being in the battle. And it starts with, most of us would look around us and say, things are hopeless. You know, we look at our government, 
and regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you realize that process is broken. We've lost our civility. We've lost our consideration. Uh, Dennis and I go to Nigeria, and there are articles in the Wall Street Journal about how uh, challenging that is with the Fulani tribe marauding and uh, Boko Haram. Uh, I go to South Africa. A key issue there now is uh, people abducting women and killing them. Uh, you have shootings on Fountain Square downtown. We're not immune. And uh, you can add to that whatever else you want to that suggests hopelessness. But the opportunity for us, based on this hope that we have, based on the knowledge that Amy's shared with us, is we can be on the front lines. You know, folks in the military, the true warriors, want to be on the front line. You've seen the movies where they come back and they can't live here anymore because they want to be on the front line. And so um, one of the things, you know, occasionally you hear a sermon that affects you for a lifetime, but Todd Keyes once said, if you thought you were on a cruise ship and ended up on a battleship, that's not a very good position to be in. So I would encourage us in the year ahead, uh, the world around us in the hands of man is hopeless. The world around us in the hands of God is full of hope. And our opportunity is to be a warrior on the front lines. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, thank you. As many of you don't know that Carl Grzovic, who uh, with his two children died in that fire, came to this church about 25 years ago as a teenager and uh, joined the youth program here. Carl had a passion in his life in those days to reach the lost, particularly young people, and he founded a skateboard ministry here and uh, I participated in that to some extent with him in those days. And his uh, brother is here, has joined this church. There's been a connection over these years. And the Lord prepared, I think, this church many years ago to minister in, uh, in the tragedy of, of this loss. But you see, it's not... He doesn't, our hope is not in the tragedy of the loss. It's in the victory of Jesus Christ and of Carl and his two children being with him now. And we can praise God for that and the hope that we have, no matter uh, what, what the tragedy is, God knows. He's seen that in advance, and he has prepared us and them for that. And praise the Lord. And I want to mention one other thing. It's kind of a double hope here. I'm here with Ron Hummins. Ron and I spent an unbelievable uh, day in Columbus about two weeks ago. Ron has been led to try to establish post-traumatic stress disorder as a statewide emergency in Ohio. And he and I and another, a team of people led by Ron 
went to Columbus to talk to uh, uh, legislators. Uh, they had a lobbying day. And he and I and this team visited two in particular who headed up the committee uh, that would deal with this subject. And both of these men uh, immediately, immediately lashed onto the concept uh, and the story that Ron had unfolded and said, we have to do something. And it's been amazing to see what they have put in order to deal with this. And uh, this uh, is a long story, but it is amazing to see uh, the hope that comes uh, through the, the legislature. Because I'm like Zeke. You, you get bogged down in, in, in the government disorder. But we saw government in order that day. And uh, it was very uplifting and very hopeful. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. Anybody else? All right, I'm going to go over to this side of the room. Hi. My name is Mariah Long. Um, before 2019, I felt the Lord, you know how some people are like, what's your word for the year? And I was like, that's cute. Um, and God was like, surrender. Like, oh, that should be fun. Um, and in February, I gave birth to our first biological child, uh, and it went not how I planned it at all. Uh, one of those, like, would have died if wasn't for the modern C-section kind of thing, um, which was really, really hard. I planned a home birth and did all this research and... It just, it didn't go how I planned. And I didn't plan on having a child to begin with. Yeah. I think um, this time, I don't, I don't remember what year, last year or the year before, Chris and I had decided that we just weren't going to have kids. <laughs> uh, and then our foster placement turned to adoption unexpectedly, and we got pregnant. And it was like, oh, well, now we have two kids, so that's fun. And so this 2019 has just been a lot of surrender. I, I have been very vocal <laughs> about um, my struggles with becoming a mom. And then um, quitting a job that I love in order to stay home. Um, and the Lord has just been really gentle with me, and my husband has been very gentle with me. Um, he provided me just the opportunity to do exactly what I was doing job-wise, but for our family. Um, our children are both healthy, and everything is going well with that, and, um, he's just been really gentle with me, and so as I look back on the year, it just, it didn't go how I thought it would go. And I never thought that this would be a year that I had at all. Um, so I'm just really thankful that, um, yeah, just that he's he's been so gentle and the not sleeping and all the trauma from how everything happened. And um, I'm just really looking forward to 2020 and what that has in store. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Mariah. 
Let's take a second and lift up this family. Father, we thank you for uh, Mariah and Chris. Thank you for uh, the wonderful things you're doing with Zoe. We pray that her, her uh, paperwork would be finalized in 2020. We also thank you for Rosalie. And Lord, we, uh, we thank you for the trials, uh, Lord. And we, along with Mariah now, count it pure joy to have these two beautiful daughters uh, in our midst uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I think there was somebody back here. All right, got time. This will be our last one. Um, God has just been really faithful to... Introduce yourself. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm Faith George. Um, and God has been really faithful to me this year. Better? All right. Um, sorry. Not... Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking back just this past week, and I realized I was in school in the beginning of this year, and that really weirded me out because I've had a career, and like I've done everything since then, but um, I'm not one for decisions. I get really fearful because I always want to be right. I hate being imperfect. It, it's really like an identity thing for me, and I realized that this year I started a freelance career, which God has given me um, <laughs> success, but more guidance on, more purpose, and then I've, I've felt in my life before. We bought a house, <laughs> the biggest purchase of my entire life, um, and he's just, I've seen his hand invisibly just working, where I thought I'd have to really struggle to make these decisions and really have to paint over and fast for a week in order to buy a house, and it, these things just happened, and I felt such peace after all these things were decided and happened, and it's just been a year realizing I don't have to do anything. I just have to be faithful in prayer and faithful in relationship with my father who loves me so much and gives me really good gifts. Amen. So we feel a lot of hope. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's kind of amazing, guys. We've just gone around the room. We've only spent 20 minutes on this. It's, it's kind of amazing. So what I want to do now, though, is I want to give you some time to pray as families. So I think we've got a prompt up here. Um, I'm going to look at Malachi 4. We, it's the last verse of the, New Te- the Old Testament, and we, we look at this in the last Sunday of every year. And it talks about the work uh, that will come with eventually John the Baptist and how he will... Uh, Awaken the people of Israel, and it's a great verse for us because it talks about turning the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And he promises here that that will happen, or he will come and strike the land with total destruction. And that precisely happened when the church started. Uh, the church was this amazing organism that loved each other across generations, across socioeconomic lines, across racial lines. And those that did not believe that promise uh, witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, totally destroyed. Uh, the old temple, the old system, the old way of doing things. So this verse is a, is a prophetic promise over us as we walk in the Holy Spirit, as we walk as families, that God will continue to turn the generations towards each other. So uh, I'm going to encourage you now to take a time of prayer. If you're here with your family, great. 
then just join together. The parents can bless the kids. The kids can bless the parents. Um, If you're here by yourself but you know someone from your small group or something else, join in with them and pray with them. Um, And if you just prefer to be on your own and meditate, that's, that's good too. But I want to now just... We're going to just play some music and we're just going to take some time to pray and think about thanking God for what happened in 19. Think about the hope you have in Him for 2020 and just bless your families. And in a few minutes, I will come back and break in and we will close with a worship song. All right? Marianne.
Father, we thank you for your character, your nature to love us and bless us and give us hope. And Lord, we pray that this year would be filled with faith, with your grace, with obedience, Lord, empowered by the Spirit, with a realization of our destiny, Lord, that we'd walk in awe of you. And Lord, we, uh, we thank you for providing hope. So Lord, I just seal now these blessings that have been prayed uh, in the Holy Spirit that each family would come into this new year with a fullness, Lord, that only you can provide. And that, uh, Lord, each of us would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we could know you better that you would open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to see the riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints and the incomparably great power you have given us to go out, Lord, and walk among the lost, to take our place in the front lines, to love one another so well that the whole world would know that you sent Jesus. And Lord, we ask these things in the, in the mighty power of your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand and worship the Lord before we close our service.